Hi everyone, this is International Society of Hypertension Podcast. I'm Associate Professor Francine Marques from Monash University, Australia, and my co-host is Dr. Augusto Montesano from the University of Glasgow, Scotland. Today, we're very excited because we're going to be talking to Dr. Hind Bihari. Hind was the past dean of the Faculty of Nursing Sciences and past vice dean of the Faculty of the Medical Sciences at the International University of Africa, where she's also a member of the physiology department and actively does her research and supervise many students. Hint also participated in many different committees, but especially the Sudanese Society of Hypertension, where she, she is a past president. And also she participated or participates at the student branch of the Arab Economy Unit Council. In her career, Hind is a very active academic and focuses on hypertension, the renin angiotensin aldosterone system, renal function, and genetics. And with that, Hind has supported many trainees and has supervised many, many students, postdocs, and uh, early career investigators and help them to achieve their goals, their career goals. And with that, Hint, it's a pleasure to have you here with us and I'm very excited to do this interview with you. Thank you very much, Augusto. And I am really uh, honored to be here and, uh, and explain and show you how was my career and my experience in hypertension. Perfect. Hint, just to start, can you tell us a little bit of your story and how did you get involved with hypertension and later on with the International Society of Hypertension? Uh, okay, uh, I will start by telling you that my late father, uh, Mamoun Beheri, was an international Sudanese economist and a graduate of Oxford University uh, in United Kingdom. He was hypertensive for 46 years, since the age of 32. I was very proud of his lifestyle and hypertension control. He ate healthy diet with the help of my mother, all times low salt and sugar food, a lot of exercise and practicing sports, uh, tennis, uh, swimming, among others. As a teenager, I was very proud of him. I decided to have a career in medicine since that time and later in the science of physiology as a specialty. Uh, in order to know well the normal body functions and that if I know well the body normal body function, definitely the control of the disease will be easier. So at uh, the year 2000 for my master dissertation, I did a research on renal function in Sudanese patients with essential hypertension. The results, was, the results were really striking. I, I found very low glomerular filtration rate, very poor control and high blood pressure, uh, poor control with high blood pressure, obesity and cardiovascular complications. So, since that time, my path went on areas of hypertension uh, research. 
on the year 2009, I joined the Sudanese uh, Society of Hypertension, which follows the International Society of Hypertension. That is, in short, uh, my earliest uh, memories of this uh, career. Perfect. And hence, like, as, as I mentioned in your introduction, you, you sit in many different committees and you have helped many people in those committees. And so how do you think it is important for your career progression, uh, the participation in this, uh, this Sudanese Society of Hypertension and other committees? Uh, because it's very time consuming. So what's your point of view? Like, what do you think, why is important to, uh, to be part of these committees? Uh, actually, this played a very uh, great role in my advancement and in my advancement in my career. I remember that uh, since I joined in the year 2009, the, the Sudanese Society of Hypertension and as well the International Society of Hypertension and the World Hypertension League, uh, we started practicing uh, the campaigns of, uh, at the community level of awareness and blood pressure control. And uh, then later we went to join a lot, a large number of conferences held by the International Society of Hypertension. Uh, I remember we, maybe we attended up to six or seven uh, conferences uh, with the meetings held inside and with the discussion groups and with the discussion of papers attending the presentation and the discussion of how the roles can be of uh, the scientists, of the researchers in hypertension, the roles which can be played. So really my vision and my experience was very much enlarged. It wasn't a waste of time. On the contrary, it was really uh, like you gain all the knowledge of others because we were meeting and still we are meeting people from different countries with different standards, with this, uh, different specialties uh, and how they play in their countries, in their communities, in their societies, how they play the role to control and prevent the silent killer, which really is becoming uh, a, 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 like a dilemma which needs the attention of all the, the governments and the societies and the scientists and the peoples and the communities. So sitting uh, in the Sudanese Society of Hypertension, I joined uh, the research committee. We started having surveys, we started having go in deeper areas I carried on, as I told you, from, with the research which already I started in, in the year 2000. And uh, I went on uh, digging, why do Sudanese people have, do, are, do they normally have uh, this low GFR? What are the normal levels of the GFR in Sudanese uh, people? It wasn't done at that year, any much research in these areas. So. I started uh, with my uh, master dissertation, as I told you, I went still in, in finding out the renal function and I went to hypertension, what are the normal blood pressure values 
in the Sudanese, what are the normal uh, glomerular filtration rate and renal functions in the Sudanese. And then we later on, we started digging in the area, as you mentioned earlier, uh, the renin and utensin aldosterone system, which plays a, a key role in the control of uh, hypertension. And we didn't know much about it in the Sudanese uh, population. So uh, being part of the regional advisory group for Africa, being part of the Women in Hypertension Research Committee, uh, being part as well, uh, I attended uh, the preparatory uh, organizational uh, meetings in South Africa for the MMM project, which I think played and, uh, a very great role in the control, in the awareness of hypertension and uh, letting communities, letting the government and the stakeholders to know how great is the problem. So uh, from there, I gained a lot of experience. We came, we made campaigns in Sudan uh, for the MMM project survey. And uh, I had the idea that why not to join the academic institutes because I was already teaching at the university. I'm part of the research committee and the academic societies at the community level and the stakeholders from the administrations of the universities, the, gov the governmental ministries of, of health and the institutes of health insurance. And it was really a great project. And we even attracted the media. The media, we trained the, the volunteers uh, from uh, the students, our students at the different universities and uh, from uh, the junior doctors at uh, different institutes and hospitals. And so it was a very real, it was really a very big project. And I think here I, I, I need, and I should uh, give my thanks to Professor uh, Neil Walter, who prayed really the, he was the master or the key master of, of this project. It induced, uh, first of all, we had the data of a uh, large number of Sudanese uh, population, measurement, measuring their blood pressure, uh, giving them awareness and showing them how to control their blood pressure. And uh, you know, really the data was surprisingly, most of the Sudanese, they don't go, they don't know what is their, their blood pressure and they don't go normally. Even the hypertensive patient, they don't go. Uh, to, uh, you know, regularly to check and they don't use their uh, antihypertensive treatment or they are even not practicing uh, right lifestyles. So I don't think that was easy to gain unless I joined this, uh, the, the Sudanese Society of Hypertension and of course the International Society of Hypertension. And I think they pushed me a great, they gave me uh, enthusiasm, they gave me knowledge, they gave me targets, new targets for my research, for my commitment uh, to fight this disease. And Hind, I'm just yes. uh, curious, like just like an extra question for you in terms of career. Uh, yes. It is amazing. You mentioned that you finished your master's in 2000 uh, and now it's 2021. So in 21 years, 
you're able to build up this amazing career career that you have. So if you need to give our trainees an advice on how, um, how to keep your goals going and how to build your career, what advice would you give to them? Because I think like you did an amazing things in 21 years. Like it's, it's amazing how well your career progressed. So what advice you give to our trainees? Yes, uh, definitely. I will tell my trainees that first of all, you should gain knowledge. You should gain scientific basis for your research. You should finish your master. You should finish your PhD. Never think that is the end because science and technology are just the start. When you are starting a career, be sure that knowledge has no end. Whenever, whatever you gain from the scientific uh, evidence-based research, data collection research, you are giving uh, time, you are gaining knowledge, you are, imp you are improving uh, the science itself. Because when you build on evidence-based, when you build on uh, research, you are actually adding to the literature. It is not just anymore that you read about. It's not physiology, just you go and read the textbook. No, you go and search now uh, the internet, you go and search uh, the technology, the resources, what are the latest published papers? Are they evidence-based? Are they built on, on uh, really hard grounds? Uh, you look for systematic reviews in the areas of hypertension and different aspects. Uh, this is just the start. Also, what helped me a lot is that I, I had uh, my, a master's degree in medical education, and that is in health profession, as well as a postgraduate uh, diploma uh, in research methodology and medical ethics because you need to be honest, you need to be precise, you need to be logic in your research. So gain knowledge from the source and the best source in our uh, countries and developing countries are the universities where still science is science, where still people are uh, dedicated for uh, research, dedicated for knowledge, for up, uh, improving their standards and their uh, students' standards as well. So, and plus the activities uh, in the universities, other activities, for example, in International University of Africa, it is a place where we have community-based education. So there are, we had, I, I was part or I led an initiatives, not only in hypertension uh, uh, campaigns, but also in breast cancer, and as well in uh, uh, HIV AIDS. So from there, I joined together uh, the study, as I told you. So the, my trainees should, I think, should learn from the university, from the resources where the science is, go to the community, make the research in the community. It is the area which we should know well, which we should do our research on because the data are missing, for example, in Sudan. And I'm sure in a lot of uh, African countries, in developing countries, we need to collect data. We need to analyze. We need to know our uh, normal values. We need to know where we are standing in order to 
know how to fight the disease, how to get the proper management, and how to go on with your career. And uh, I think uh, uh, in Sudan, uh, the, as I told you, we started with this uh, MMM projects and earlier even from uh, hypertension, uh, international hypertension days, where we gathered the data, we did our research, and that was really, really amazing. I think the experience for everyone, for my trainees, and even now how I deal with my trainees is really, uh, I don't believe even that uh, I can stop because I don't think one day I will stop from teaching, I will stop from doing research, I will stop from teaching my trainees, my experience, because this is how life go, goes on. You need to transfer the knowledge, you need to transfer the experience to the young generation so they can go on and they have their careers and they build on the knowledge already present. And that's amazing. Please never stop, like for real. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thank you. So, so now, hence change to mentoring. Like if you need to define uh, your mentorship experience in one word, like one single word, which word would be? Uh, that's very hard to, to, to give you just one word, but I will tell you empowerment and leadership. And do you think mentoring is important? Uh, yes, I think it's very important because uh, as I already told you, it is the mentoring is that when a senior uh, staff or a senior professional, he already has his own experience. He has his own knowledge. He has his own intercommunication with international, with national, uh, other professionals. And with, uh, with all this uh, experience, when you transfer it to the new generation, to the young uh, trainees or young researchers, this is not easy. So I think this is very important. And I really appreciate uh, that the ISH is now uh, looking for mentoring, uh, for mentorship, and even uh, your committee is having this role. And uh, I believe that it's very good now to make sure that everywhere uh, you have reached all the, all the researchers, all the communities, all the, com all the societies in order to spread this experience and to build on it. And, and uh, when, your, when in uh, your career did you realize that you needed a mentor? Yes, as I told you already. It was twice in my life. When I was doing my dissertation for the master's degree, because I was already inspired by the life of my father, and I decided to have my dissertation research in physiology for the master's degree in hypertension. And I have chosen the, the renal function because it is very much affecting and being affected by the blood pressure. So... I started, the, the title was very clear. I have chosen my title. I went to my supervisor at that time, my uh, uh, late Professor Nasruddin, uh, and he was really one of the great physiologists 
not only in Sudan, not only in Sudan, but on the in the entire world. Nasraddin uh, Mahmoud, he was really amazing. You don't believe how much I was very enthusiastic and how much he was mentoring me, showing me the ways. And I went to the, you know, I went to the community. Where can I find hypertensive patients? I decided to take uh, the employers in the governmental institutes because there were, uh, uh, there were clinics, they had follow-up cards and they had also doctors, uh, general practitioners who regularly see them at these clinics. So I went there and uh, I collected, even I had for the glomerular filtration rate, I had to collect 24 hour uh, urine. And that was really a problem because at that time, I, I only trusted the participants. I couldn't follow them uh, very uh, closely. I couldn't keep them at hospital at that time. So I gave them containers and you don't believe how helpful they were. They were very enthusiastic to participate. I had their consents. They took the containers, they went home, they counted, they emptied their bladders, they counted 24 hours, they brought me back the containers. And as I told you, the, the, the results were amazing. I got very low uh, glomerular filtration rate, very high blood pressure, poor control, uh, obesity, they were obese, they had uh, cardiovascular complications on the long standing with the long standing hypertension. And I, I was really worried, worried more uh, because not only to achieve my dissertation results and uh, my master's degree, which I achieved, but later on and from that time, wow, there's a problem in Sudan. We need to focus. We need to find out. We need to target how to find out, uh, you know, the facts, what's going on. The other mentorship I had from uh, Professor Amal, she's a female Sudanese physiologist, also one of the international physiologists in the whole world. And uh, I came to her, uh, Prof, I want to have my PhD uh, on uh, research on the normal values. We don't have normal values uh, for uh, glomerular filtration rates for Sudanese. She told me, hint, you need to focus. This is a very broad uh, survey. This is survey for, for the government, for the institutes of research, but not a PhD. Okay, Prof, what shall I do? She told me focus on, on one of the groups and do what you want to do. So I turned into the preeclamptic ladies because this is a very important uh, group in my country where people die, a lot of women die with preeclampsia. So I chose the preeclamptic, I compared uh, them, uh, the results with the normal pregnant and non-pregnant because I wanted still to know what are the normal values of the glomerular filtration rate in my country, in my people. So at this time, I had uh, a, a, a permit from uh, the women uh, maternity, Umdurman, uh, women maternity hospital uh, because I included them as uh, an area of research in my research and uh, they gave me the permission to the preeclamptic pre uh, who are outpatient to bring them in 
for 24 hours during collection and follow up. The normal pregnant as well, uh, they gave me the permission. So I uh, took, of course, the consent of uh, all the participants from the hospital, from the ministry, from my university, and we started the project. And uh, I trained, I trained for that, the patients of how we wanted every drop of urine to be collected. We had to train the, the patients uh, or participants. We had to train the nurses. I made special staff, uh, staff uh, of, from the nurses and the matrons at the hospital for uh, how to follow the patient. And we were sure that all the patients, they had the same, the environment was the same for these 24 hours. Uh, the food, uh, the follow-up, of the urine output, they followed the patient. Every patient was followed until she collected, they collected the 24 hours and then we released them. So I was very much sure of my methodology. I was very much sure of my results because at that time I had to take my specimens. I traveled them all the way to England. Uh, and here I remember Professor Makwana and uh, he was very helpful. We took all the specimens because at that time I wanted uh, not only this normal GFR and biomarkers, but we had another biomarker called serum C13C for the evaluation. It's evaluation as a biomarker of preeclampsia. And so I took my specimens. I traveled three times, I remember. Collection of samples, uh, went on for two whole years. Ah, you can believe what effort was that. When I come, came and to analyze my results, I found that very strikingly, the GFR was high for everybody. Higher even than the normal international values, even for the preeclamptic. Oh, wow, what's wrong? So again, I went back to the literature. I searched. Uh, and I found that because we they were pregnant to use the serum creatinine clearance, I found in the literature that at, jo at John Hopkins Hospital, uh, they published uh, a certain uh, they published a certain formula to ca for calculation of the GFR from creatinine clearance, and this is uh, a factor actually uh, to be used for the creatinine clearance. And uh, they use this factor because we all know that creatinine is an endogenous material. Uh, it is filtered at the glomerulus, at the kidney level, but it, it, uh, some of it goes directly from the afferent arterioles to the efferent arterioles, but still some more at the peritubular capillaries, uh, they are secreted back in the urine. So it's not actually only the filtered amount, but some, is again added to this filtered amount by secretion. So in Sudan and in our laboratories, we used to say that this amount is so minor that we can just ignore it, it doesn't affect. But from my research, because at the first time on calculations, I didn't use this factor, the John Hopkins factor, the results were very high, but when I corrected my results using the John Hopkins factor, and I might, I might multiplied the creatinine clearance, corrected to the body surface area, and I multiplied it by this factor, 
the results were amazing. It fitted in even the correlations. You don't believe how much that results and that corrections, uh, correlations were very much might, uh, matching and even with uh, p-values less than 0 0.05. So that was really nice. So I think from here on for every uh, trainee, for every uh, women who are interested in research, in hypertension or any other branch, knowledge is, is a wide area and science is uh, even wider. So uh, do your best to do your own research, to do it in the proper way, in the ethical way, and definitely will go somewhere. And you will add to the knowledge already existing in your country or in the international community. And, and Hinge, now talking about you as a mentor. So what, what's your mentoring style? Uh, uh, I think I'm using you know, combination. I won't say it is the traditional. I won't say it is, uh, uh, it's a community based. I use a, com a combination. I, I believe in uh, mentoring face to face. I'm, I believe in uh, group mentoring to my students in groups. Now, right now I'm teaching, uh, I will give you an ex example. I'm teaching uh, the master students of physiology at International University of Africa. The course which we are conducting right now uh, and uh, I'm directing it is the uh, blood and immune system. And as you know, uh, they are, this was the, one of the first uh, courses to be conducted. They didn't go uh, yeah, beyond the first semester. So uh, I had to choose for them or let them have a seminar. And uh, strikingly, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic is causing a, a lot, it's causing a disaster and everybody now uh, there are in the media a lot of of talk, a lot of uh, uh, you know uh, videos going on. But where are the facts? Where are the evidence based? Why don't we do a search? This is how I started with my students. You should go. You should look. Ma, uh, do you want us to do a systematic review? I told no. We just do a narrative review. You go search in the literature. Uh, we picked out. Uh, we're, I wrote the, the proposal for that with the domains. Uh, we wanted to know about the virus. We wanted to know the mode of transmission. We wanted to know about the body response, immune responses. We wanted to know about the comorbidities, the effect of COVID-19 on hypertension, the effect of hypertension, uh, drug hyper, anti-hypertensive drugs, uh, uh, and uh, COVID-19, uh, about vaccination and about the prevention, the research done. So I, I tried to let these uh, students uh, feel what they need to do. So first we had online uh, lectures and so on, but I, I insisted to come and do some face-to-face -face and even to show them how to do the search how to find out facts. We discussed it over uh, later over the internet by Zoom meetings and the results were wonderful. We had the seminar done. So it's just one part of a continuous assessment of the course. We invited the administration 
of the community, the vice chancellor of the university, the faculty dean of medicine, the department uh, staff, the different uh, staff uh, members, the different department staff members. We, inv we invited even the minister of health, the federal minister of health, and they sent a representative with a presentation. You can't imagine how happy they were. They told us uh, this is the first uh, session we have from a university. So even my students are becoming pioneers and you don't believe how much they presented because now they have been preparing for this uh, seminar for the last three or four months. The results were amazing. The presentations were amazing. And even we had referees because I was part of this. I present, I, uh, I, we brought uh, referees from uh, other departments to help for the uh, grading of these students. And I think this is a group mentoring, individual mentoring. I entered the groups with the different uh, groups. We divided the domains. So it's really practice and it's really devotion. And it's really that you have to love what you are doing and you have to believe in that you are playing a role. And I think that I, I, I think I have succeeded to let my students feel the same as I feel. And not even this. Now we are still starting a systematic review. I am including uh, experts. I'm including my students as co-authors in this research. So the, the role, the message is really important for everybody and to, to do it in the proper way. And you do really exercise the inspiration side of things that you, you, you talk about so much. And it's, it's beautiful to see. And now uh -huh. and looking at the, your trainees or the trainees side of things, uh, what, what kind of behavior, what kind of attitude do you think a good mentee should have? Oh, this, this is really uh, also very important question, I think. Thank you for it. And uh, a good mentor, first of all, should be well equipped with scientific knowledge, good experience, and good behavior. We should be honest. You can't be dishonest. You can't be not honest in showing the truth. Uh, because as I told you, uh, the ethics should be not only part of medical research, but part of our whole uh, life, our whole behavior. We are not just teaching uh, our trainees or students just to be, to be good researchers. First of all, you should be an example. You should show how honest in your research, how honest in your whole life, how you are devoted for teaching. I know that uh, uh, some teachers, yes, everybody can teach, but not everybody uh, can be uh, uh, caring or uh, care in the proper way to give the students all the knowledge I know. You know, we should be generous with our knowledge. We should be generous with our uh, character, our uh, behavior and our practice and our research results and show them exactly and where to go and what to do. So it is, uh, you should be a good listener. 
You should be flexible to accept all peoples and give them space. You, I, as a teacher, I should give my, my students space. I think uh, uh, this is very important because it would let them to be confident, to be sure of themselves and to introduce themselves, their opinions very openly. Uh, I remember that I chose first the research uh, for the seminar. The title was the immune response, the body, uh, human body immune response to COVID-19. When we came with all the domains and they started, they searched and came back, one of them just told me, excuse me, this title is too, uh, is too small, is too, uh, is not, does not accommodate all our search. I said, okay, what do you think? I said, he said, please try to find something bigger. Okay, I said, then we have epidemiology of the disease. They said, yes. We have the immune response. They said, yes. We have the vaccination. They said, yes. Okay, what do you think? He said, we join all these in one title for the seminar. And so we did. So aspiring them, being flexible, listening to them, non-judgmental, able to be uh, to give constructive feedback, okay? Able to network and find resources and to help your students to do and own their own, do their own research and search, that will be wonderful. Uh, so, and also to value diversity of perspectives, uh, perspective, and I think, all of these positive attitudes help a lot to have a good mentor. And what about the student? And so what kind of attitude do you think a student should have to take advantage of the mentor's uh, help? Students differ. Students are not all the same. It's like your fingers in one hand. Some are very much enthusiastic. They care a lot. Some are uh, in the middle, some are, uh, I won't say left behind, but they don't have, maybe they were pushed to come to have this career. They wanted a promotion, they wanted a certificate. Uh, you never uh, have the same students and you should never uh, uh, be, uh, uh, treat them at the same level. So you go from the lowest level to the middle to the highest. And by time, teach them to, to, to be, uh, to, to learn to work in teamwork. Uh, to, and in this teamwork, I remember we divided them into groups. You try to put diversity in the groups. I did it randomly, but this ran, uh, random selection will let you include people, uh, different diversity, different gender, different age, di different behaviors different intelligence, different standard of knowledge and uh, different enthusiasm. And by time, believe me, uh, all the students were getting together at a very high, if not the top, at a very high now standard. They are ready, they are now enthusiastic. They are now ready to go on. And some are very much interested from now, not only in COVID-19, but they were looking at my CV, were looking at my research. They are even interested to join me at hypertension research. I told them uh, hypertension research uh, is not right now because now I, you cannot join me I'm at, at my research. This is non-ethical. You should do now your 
dissertation, uh, your uh, master degree, dissertation, choose what you want and don't stick to one idea. Have, uh, you are still on the first uh, course. You will have other courses. And when you reach research methodology at the end of your, uh, of your semesters of the master, you then be able to choose what you want to put your dissertation on what area you are interested in and how to do it and uh, in the proper way. And that's amazing. Um, so, so now you're talking about like, you know, the students trying to find uh, what to do, okay? Uh, but, and that happens when you're looking for a PhD or a postdoc, you need to uh, interview and you need to try to identify a good lab or a good research group for you to work and continue with your career. So what advice you give to the early careers or students or postdocs that are trying to find a good training environment? What do you think they should look for in terms to identify, oh, that's the best place for me to do my work? Ah, yes, uh, this is also a very good question. A good training environment. As I told you, in developing countries, it has to be in academic institutions, academic universities, academic research centers. It cannot be just at the level of the societies or even academic societies. You have to have interrelations with the academic institutes in the country with the research institutes in the country. Uh, because uh, three problems, uh, the area needs, uh, this research needs facilities, it needs money, it needs time, it needs professionals. So it's not easy to have a good training environment. We should look, first of all, for the, uh, what are the who are the stakeholders, what they are looking for, how to achieve their goals. So societies come in combination with research, uh, in cooperation with research centers at the universities, at the, for us mainly at uh, the nursing uh, faculties, nursing sciences, at the medicine faculties and so on. So you come to the research uh, areas, research projects and combine these with the academic societies outside, with the volunteers from outside, and you use uh, for these uh, stakeholders how to achieve all the goals. The students, uh, the, the administrative, the money, if you have uh, sponsors and so on. So first of all, look for the stakeholders, look for your programs. It should be well uh, built or well established Target, targeted program. And in these programs, uh, you should have, of course, uh, learning uh, the contents are very important, the training contents, the training courses with learning objectives and learning outcomes, even who are your targeted groups, who should you include as trainees in these programs is very important. Also the training environment, uh, including the audiovisual equipped, equipped rooms, the computer uh, computer rooms, enough computers, the laboratory uh, technicians, the laboratory the laboratory uh, uh, needs, and so on. 
Uh, also, the facilities and materials are very important. And uh, training schedule, uh, how long? Should it be short term? Should it be long term? And how to achieve it? And uh, I think these are the most important uh, uh, for good training environment. And hint, like, how do you think, like, uh, how, what, what's your advice again for uh, these students or postdocs to approach a senior research and ask them for a position or to ask if there is a position available? How would you, um, how would you approach a senior research? Uh, it has, it's, uh, you know, uh, usually, as I told you, the academic uh, institutes and the universities are the best place because there uh, you have uh, the PhD holders, you have uh, starting from the assistant professors for, uh, to the associate and to the professor. And this usually, uh, they have the committee, we have the committee of research for selection of the titles, suitable titles, even for the students. We have the consent uh, or the ethical approval committee also at the level of the university, at the level of uh, the Minister of Health. And uh, it's not difficult, it's all there because we have uh, the Dean, we have uh, the Department of Physiology, we have the head department, uh, we have the program, we have the students. The students choose their own uh, research, as I told you earlier. They come, they present it to the uh, research methodology teacher. They have their teachers uh, of uh, community medicine, teaching them the research methodology. They present it first to their teachers, approved by that. Then they later on, with the help of their supervisors from the Department of Community Medicine, they choose their supervisors, uh, the professional supervisors in the areas of physiology. So this is not hard. If it followed uh, the, you know, the steps and, uh, and the correct ways, it will be achieved. And hint, now like, let's just talk a little, a little bit about diversity and inclusion. So you are part of the Women in Hypertension Research Committee from the, from the International Society of Hypertension. So what advice do you have for uh, women in, uh, in hypertension research? Okay, as you know, diversity and inclusion are very important areas for successful uh, research, for success, not even in, in, in hypertension research, but in general at any uh, organization, organizational institute, uh, it is important. Uh, we can guarantee that by diversity and inclusion, uh, the progress of the institute, uh, the productivity of our programs, our target, our research. So uh, actually there are some barriers uh, which I think face uh, women uh, more in developing countries than in the developed countries. Uh, first of all, the developing countries, we are having a lot of uh, social, political, economical uh, barriers, which uh, is keeping us behind. Also now the COVID-19 lockdown, everything is coming uh, to a, a really uh, low 
standard. But now I think everything is gaining back to and life is going back uh, to, to normal uh, in, in gradual steps. So uh, the barriers can be, uh, we should have, uh, we should have good strategies. We should have good programs, but when there is poor programs, there is bias, there is a lack of budget, there is lack of support, lack of stools, the negative attitudes, uh, slower decision-making, cultural misunderstanding, uh, if we have problems in some societies of discrimination. And uh, these are not easy barriers. They need to be solved. They need to be held and helped uh, to be overcome, not only by the local academic societies, not only by the uh, academic institution, all these stakeholders with the international institute. I think the International Society of Hypertension uh, can play a great role. It's just that we need, uh, for example, now in the Women in Hypertension Research uh, Committee and even in the Regional Advisory Group for Africa, uh, we need to spread uh, the the uh, uh, the perspective and uh, and you know the spirit of what is the problem why is the ISH uh, playing all this role we need to reach every country African country or European or in whatever other continents ISH should reach everywhere we should reach. Uh, individuals, we should reach societies, we should reach communities. I think we should reach even governmental and institutional academic uh, concerned academic institutes to where to find where to find the doctors, where to find the researchers. It's a, a great problem we are facing now. Uh, how to involve a large number? It should be through campaigns. Okay, how to reach for the first time? It should, it should be through networking. Uh, ISH should reach everywhere. Now we started in the Women in Hypertension Research, our first uh, newsletter. Uh, and we are very happy with that because we need to attract attention. And this is the role of all of us inside uh, the Institute. All the uh, members, individual members and uh, societies of how oh. hints yeah uh, you muted yourself sorry uh -uh, sorry so <laughs> i told you we we need to reach uh, all the countries all the members in the societies of the research the, the researchers uh, the scientists and uh, to get them involved in our target to to mobilize you know the social uh, mobilization of the society, of the media, to get involved and to know how to reach everybody. And I think it's a matter of awareness if uh, everybody knew about this disease and how the control is very easy. It's not like when you already get the disease. And, uh, and it's also, through, as I said, to get everybody involved and get enthusiastic uh, and so on. And, and I think like that's, uh, that's one thing that we discuss a lot in the Women Hypertension Research Committee, right? Uh, it's not, it's the awareness. So like people need to be aware that there is help 
uh, somewhere and they can get that help. And I think like that's the word that has to uh, to come out. So hint, um, uh. in terms of like career now, um, so there are many women that leave science because of like social pressures and other uh, the other barriers that you just mentioned. What would you tell them to uh, ensure them that leaving is is not it shouldn't um, it shouldn't be an option? What kind of uh, inspirational things would tell these women to for them to stay in in research? Ah, uh, yes, this is a good question because I think uh, many. Uh, parties or many members in the community need to play a role in this. It's not just about the individual. For the individuals, for example, women in the research area, first of all, I, I, I need to tell them to be patient. You should be patient. You should fight. You should be devoted. You should believe in what you are doing. If you are just having it as a a source of money that won't help. But if, as, if you are devoted and you think you are helping people, you want to prevent hypertension, you want to uh, control it because it's, it's causing a lot of damage uh, to the individuals, to the societies, to the economy, even the economy of the, of the country by the complications. So you, you should be devoted, you should be patient, you should be uh, to let, because in our societies, uh, the family is, is a problem because we are very much interconnected and the women has a very big role to play, to keep their houses, to keep uh, their children, to raise up, you know, it's, in our country, it's a role of a woman, mostly. Uh, very uh, little men, uh, or very uh, small number of men help. And uh, this is a real, I think, uh, the role of the woman to understand or to fight or to get out of the house, to go and ha have a research done. It's a great effort. I appreciate every woman who is doing this because I know she's doing a double job. She's doing job outside her house and still she has more job at inside her house. So please be patient, be committed, be devoted. Uh, the internet, now everywhere, join yourself to the committees, uh, to the communities, uh, to the ISS, to the Sudanese Society of Hypertension, to other researchers around the world. We should have uh, like, you know, teamwork. We are ladies and women in hypertension. In my country, I have a role to help other women in hypertension, especially the younger generation. We should take their hands. We should solve their problems. We should try to make, uh, because the budgets are, cannot be uh, achieved by individuals. It should be a teamwork, society work, even to include uh, institutes, even to include parties from outside to solve the problems, to make things easier. And I think it will go. At the end, we will succeed. But make sure you don't leave 
make sure you don't stand away, make sure to ask for help, make sure to have a teamwork and you will never be let down. And the ISH is there all the time, I'm sure. Uh, we are mentoring, we are helping, we are offering still maybe sponsorship and grants are difficult to be uh, given or to be achieved from anyone at this right moment, but still with the, the minimal, with the self-confidence, with the devotion, we can do something and reach somewhere in this uh, COVID-19 pandemic and even in the future. And then that's like our, our last question and is related to COVID-19 and the pandemic. Uh, so as you know, uh, COVID-19 pandemic really hurt the career progress of like many uh, researchers, including early career researchers. So do you have any ideas of what our community or what we can do to best or to better support our junior researchers during the pandemic? Uh, I, I think now it was very difficult last year. The lockdown was everywhere. Nobody could not, e could not even uh, move out of the house. Even only, uh, you know, the life-saving services and uh, important services were, help were, hold were held on. Uh, but the majority of uh, the other uh, professionals, the other society was just on the lockdown. And even the students, they were at home having the lectures uh, by Zoom meeting and online. Uh, even they were having virtual, you know, virtual uh, uh, patient scenarios, uh, even their exams were becoming all online. And this is really an adaptation for the condition which is going on. And uh, even in research, maybe it's a little bit harder because in research, you should go out, you should take your uh, samples, you should meet the people, you should uh, uh, interviews, even interviews, yes, it can be done online. And now uh, even some students are solving this by doing an online interviews, online research, but definitely this cannot continue uh, for, for good or from now on long time because uh, the research need you to make surveys, need you to meet, need you to take samples, especially in hypertension and uh, such research. So uh, right now we can do uh, systematic reviews, we can do online uh, research, uh, but uh, hopefully uh, this will, we will overcome it uh, soon enough. And already there are some relief in some uh, countries and the students are getting back to their universities and the societies are going back. And uh, I hope uh, soon enough we will overcome by vaccination, by uh, uh, knowing other good prevention means how to uh, stop uh, this virus from spreading. And hopefully the future will be a bright one. And Hint, if you allow me to ask one more thing, because uh, you mentioned, uh, and I think like that relates to the COVID, like how to manage COVID. Because you mentioned in your PhD that took you two years to collect all samples and everything you need to finish uh, your analysis. 
how did you manage the stress of like waiting these two years to complete your study? Uh, I was, as I told you, I was looking at my target. Uh, the problem is that where are we standing? Uh, what are our normal values? What are uh, what what is the normal function? What is the normal re renal function in hypertensive or non-hypertensive? What are our, the Sudanese normal uh, intervals of uh, blood pressure? So I was looking at that. Uh, luckily, I think I I, I motivated with me uh, other uh, my my supervisor uh, my uh, other. Uh, joined me in the research, as I told you, from the maternity itself. And they were looking for facts because we don't have, my, my scientific point of view was very logical. Where are we? How can we find? We have to do research. So I never felt tired. All the time I was just, as I told you, I, it's not my PhD, it's what I was seeing beyond that. Mm -hmm. What are about my people? What about my, uh, the, the, how can we treat patients? How can we reach? the best treatment, antihypertensive for uh, Sudanese and non-Sudanese. Are they equal? Are they the same or they differ because their normal values and their uh, state uh, of the disease differ from one to another. So that was really pushing me and was motivating me uh, to go ahead and not to stop. And up to now, uh, I am really happy with going on and uh, with how we are achieving the results of training, and uh, getting uh, involving with us, other researchers, other students, and and uh, thanks very much uh, for our Sudanese Society of Hypertension and for the International Society of Hypertension. And, and that's like uh, how I wanted to finish the interview, and because that's the thing that I learned with you. Like, always know why you're doing your research, and know that what we are doing it will impact the lives of many people outside. And that should be already something that inspires, inspires us to, to continue. And, and with that, like, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I absolutely loved interviewing you. Like, I think you had uh, many inspiring stories, many stories like a lot of our trainees are going to love. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. Uh, welcome. And thank you very much for you as well. Thank you for listening to our interview. If you'd like more tips on mentoring, subscribe to our podcast for more interviews with senior and emerging leaders. Stay safe, open-minded and kind.